This is the Mind Body Detox Podcast, where we discuss all things integrative health and wellness, interviewing folks from all over the world, sharing insights and wisdom on how to live a healthier life in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome back to the Mind Body Detox Podcast. I am your host, Integrative Intuitive Medium, Kara Lovehart, and I am here with Patricia Dumas. She is my astrologer and my tarot reader, and she's been a wonderful colleague and wise woman in my life for very many years. And I'm just really excited to have her on. So today we're going to be touching on the topic of tarot in general, but also tarot for use for self-empowerment. So Pat, before we go into the topic of the day, because I'm so excited for this, it's it's a very timely topic. It's popular in the in pop culture. People want to know about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. About you, your journey and your tarot journey, how you ended up becoming a tarot reader. Sure. Well, I was the typical kid in the the mid to late sixties, latchkey kid came home from school, turned on the television. You know, that was the way it was. And I lived on Long Island. So New York city television stations were always accessible to us. Well, in 1966, how amazing this program started in the afternoons at four o'clock on channel seven called dark shadows. That was my introduction to the concepts of the occult. I was only nine at the time. It took me some time of doing readings because I also lived at the library. (laughs) So I read everything I could find on the tarot, on vampires, on the whole nine yards. And then I started noticing as I got a bit older, closer to maybe 12, you know, there's something more to this than just the silliness of of a fun television show. And I got my first deck at the age of 12. So I started reading the tarot 55 years ago, <laughs> thereabouts. Wow. So that was a long time. 53, I guess it is. I should make myself older than I am. It was a fascinating journey. I want to know how you got your first tarot deck. Like, where did you even get that back then? Do you know, I'm trying to remember and I'm sitting here thinking it had to have been at a bookstore because that would have been the only place I could have. And the only thing I can think of was there had to have been a bookstore at Roosevelt Field the shopping center in the middle of Long Island. But I can't for the life of me remember. That was before Barnes and Noble and before, you know, all of these bookstores came into effect. They were all the mom and pop type places. But I do remember that there was a secondhand bookstore somewhere in, I think it was in Levittown. God, forgive me. It's so, this is the, this is the fogs of antiquity, believe me. But it was back then, it was either a secondhand bookstore or a new bookstore in Roosevelt Field that was the name of the uh, the shopping mall at that time. And I know it was the Rider-Waite deck, the original Rider-Waite deck, because I think that was the only thing available. <laughs> it was the only thing you could get. Right. So I got that and I got my Eden Tarot. It was a good start. And I was able to start getting very friendly and getting very personal with the cards right at that point. Wonderful. So you just got your brand new Tarot deck. You're 12 years old. And then, so how did you continue on from there learning, you know, self-taught? How did you get deeper into it? I read every book I could find. At that time, you had to contact all different kinds of places by mail to get used books. I wrote all over the country to find books on the tarot. And there just weren't that many that weren't, you know, well beyond anything I could understand. So I started making a notebook 
of, you know, what, well, what do I feel when I look at this card? You know, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. And that was really what my starting place was, making it really very personal. I found myself doubting my readings because they weren't following the book. They weren't exactly as the book told you they should be. So, of course, what does that do? That makes you, you know, the, the good old Aquarian that I am, doubt your own intellect. And now that I've come back around several times, or back around the, the net, so to speak, I'm seeing my original feelings about those cards were pretty much on target. <laughs> so I just had wow. to adapt them a little bit. I didn't have the life experience yet right. to attach to some of these cards. That was the scary part. That's what made me put them down for about 20 years, too. Right. I was getting very scared <laughs> by an accurate reading. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today, too, because I think that there's so much fear and misconceptions around the tarot and understanding what it really is. So could you tell us what exactly is tarot? What the heck is it? <laughs> if you had to define it? If I had to define it, I would say that it's a tool that can be utilized by people to get a snapshot of what the energies are around you at any given moment relating to any given subject. Now, that's a very broad answer, but it is a very broad, widely accessible tool. For example, my daughter just called me. She asked me to pull a card for her, and I didn't have my cards on hand with me. I didn't know where they were, to be perfectly honest with you. They were in a bag in, in my bedroom. But while I was waiting, while we were trying to work out some of the details with getting set up for today's podcast, I concentrated, I created sacred space. And all that simply means is I said a prayer to clean out negativity. That's all creating sacred space means for me. And I thought, what does my daughter need to know? And pulled the card. That gave me an idea of what energies are around her right now. And I'll be able to talk to her when we're finished here and let her know, this is the card that came up, honey. What does that mean to you? How, does, how do you resonate with the keywords, quote unquote, that are associated with this card? Does it feel like it's something that resonates with what you're experiencing at this point in time. And that's why for me, tarot is so very definitely a dialogue. It should never be just the reader sitting there blah, 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 back at the client. It should always be, what does this mean for you? I can only tell you what I see based upon my own lens of experience. Yours might be different. So it being a tool, a communication to give you an idea of what the energies are around you. Mm -hmm. How did this art form of tarot come into being? Is there any history behind it that might be interesting just briefly to know how it became something we used for insight? You know, it's so interesting because the tarot's history is actually very shrouded. We don't know that much about when it actually started, what its genesis was. We know that there was a, a basic first reference to this in roughly the 14th century back in probably middle Europe. I'm thinking the deck of the Marseille was first, it was a French deck, but we tend to associate, you know, the gypsies, the Roms, the Romanies with this particular form of divination, which is what it is. It's divination. And can you define divination for our guests who may not know what divination is? Using tools could be, in this case, it's tarot. In others, it can be astrology. It can be runes, different tools to help predict what may come in the future. It used to be so easily understood before the church attached a lot more negativity to it. But in terms of the history of the tarot itself, it was originally from a bunch of card games. Tarocci was the Italian card game that played with the different pips. 
the different swords, cups, pentacles, wands. Then it was turned into being able to utilize as a form of divination. We have the major arcana, what I call the big guns of the deck, that talk about the hero's journey from the fool all the way through to, to the world card, 22 cards. And they got enmeshed in ways that is kind of shrouded in antiquity at this point in time. We don't really know. Wow. So I want to know a little bit about then, let's talk more about the hero's journey, how that relates to the journey of empowerment. And then we'll go into some common misconceptions about Tarot, because I think that those all tie in together. Absolutely. For those who really want to know more about the hero's journey, I know this is a podcast on the tarot, but I strongly recommend picking up Joseph Campbell's book, The Hero's Journey, <laughs> which I'm, I'm trying to remember actually the, the actual name for it. A Hero with a Thousand Faces. Thank you. And he details much of the archetypal journey that is mirrored by the, the major arcana of the tarot. You start out with the fool, which is essentially the human being at its most spontaneous, its most childlike, perhaps is a good way to put it, least willing to be frightened by potential dangers, very open, very open, very faith-based in terms of having faith that the universe has your back kind of thing. And then it moves on to discussing the real elements of creativity with the first card being the magician, the manifester, the person who can manipulate those four elements of fire, air, earth, and water and create whatever is needed. It's a very masculine, outward-pushing energy, followed then by the high priestess, which is less conscious creation, more receptive energy, the feminine aspect of creativity. Yes, you have that great strong desire and that spark, but there has to be a receptacle in which that can grow and become a matrix, is a word I'll use often, in which your thought becomes reality. So that's where the high priestess comes in. She is that entity. It's a fascinating journey. We could sit here the whole time just telling the story of each one of the cards. Right. So these cards are characters. Each card you mentioned, the fool, Archetypes. magician, mm -hmm. and the high priestess are characters, and they're cards in the tarot deck, and they are archetypal in, in they, what they represent. And they, this hero's journey is taking us through a journey that every human goes through. Of our own discovery. Of, yeah. And we, we go through it many times because there are layers to each time we discover something new and grow a little bit more. So how can you use that information then when you're doing a reading? And you know how does that come up? And specifically, let's say here, let's use the example of along this hero's journey, we go through these cycles. And so when you go and you're getting a tarot reading with a professional, or even doing one for yourself, on that journey, some of the cards that can come up that are represented in our journey as humans can be the ones that we as humans are fearful about, especially when it comes to the tarot. The death card in particular is the one big one that people are like, oh my gosh. And it's always the one they pull in horror movies or any any movies that uh, represents exactly, the tarot. Exactly. The scary cards are totally the, the motif. The devil. And yeah, yes. exactly. So tell us about these. Abs yeah, absolutely. People look at the devil and they get terrified, right? It simply is a card that asks you, what is your attachment to the third dimensional world? How are you perhaps being too worried about things in your life instead of people? It can often mean addictions. For me, when I'm reading, that's a card that tends to indicate where have you needed to utilize some method of altering reality in order to get through life on this plane. So that's more what that card means to me. When I see the death card, 
pure and simple. It's inner transformation. There's a little part of yourself that you have to let go of in order to become more spiritually open and aware, right? You have to let go of that terror, perhaps, of being in connection with a spiritual consciousness requires you to let go of being very physical. Even that's not the best explanation. When you see that card come up, when I see that card come up for a client, it's like, okay, so this is telling me that you're on the path to really discovering a lot more about who you are and what it is you mean to be on a spiritual level. If that card is reversed, it could be telling me you really want to make this leap, but what's holding you back? Where's the blockage? You know, what's keeping you from moving forward? Another scary card that comes up is the tower. I mean, visually, it's a it's a frightening card. And what can you tell us what the tower card looks like just for us, those of us who maybe haven't? So tell us about that. The tower card literally is a tower, a stone tower in the, in the deck. And it shows a woman and a man falling off, screaming and lightning bolts and all the rest of it. So it looks like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. That's what it looks like. But imagine it instead as thinking of that's your outer ego that's being shattered so that the divine within can now shine through. It means revelation. It does often mean your world is turned upside down, but that's how we find out what the most amazing parts of our lives can bring us is by having to have our status quo unstatus quoed and, and instead have trust that universe is putting things into our path that should be there for our growth. So when we're talking about these cards, then I can see why you know, when we haven't had this much awareness about the journey we go through as humans and addressing and facing fear and especially change, you know, we as humans are so afraid of change. Why maybe historically these cards, when they would come up in a reading, then something big would happen. And then they go come back and blame the reader. You made my life go to hell when they were like, well, I saw it coming. The tarot card, the tower card was right there, you know, and they instead blame the messenger instead of this could have been a message to help you navigate through this journey and the change in a more graceful way. Exactly. But think about how the change and the evolution of the job we do, Kara, has been over the last 20 years. It was a case in the days when I first learned tarot, you went and you sat on the edge of your seat and you gobbled up everything that reader told you as gospel, you know, and that was the way it was done. Blessedly, I learned more about how to read a better form of tarot by studying astrology with an astrologer who refused to let his clients not be participants in his readings. Stephen Forrest is a gifted astrologer, and it was his teachings that you can't just tell people what you see. You got to ask them, what are you going to do with that information now that you know? And your job, if this person's come to you, is to help them sort of access that information. So that's been the biggest, biggest change for me in doing readings over the last 30 years, learning how to, number one, take a look at your client, how much are they able to see and take in and help them move forward based upon the information that shows up in the cards. There are some people that are just not ready to talk about a a spiritual connection to the divine when they're struggling perhaps to figure out how am I going to pay my rent next month? So when that transformation card comes up, when that death card comes up, I might be saying, okay, perhaps there's something you need to let go of that you think is absolutely necessary in your life 
and is instead holding you back from being able to move on to the next step of where you want to be financially in your life. Maybe there's this belief you have that you can't function without this in your life. Maybe it's Netflix. Why don't you give it a try letting it go for a month? See how you feel. And then maybe you'll see that, wow, I'm feeling a lot freer not having to deal with that particular bill each and every month. You have to pay attention to the environment. Read the room, as my grandson would say, not just the cards, but the person that you're reading for as well. Wow. I mean, I just want to dishonor you too, because you've come a long way and just been doing this for so long. And now Tarot is so popular. Yes. I feel like it potentially could become adulterated with pop culture. TikTok witches is like such a big thing. That's the, you know, everyone's pulling cards online and these fast paced short form video content readings, which I think are super helpful for people to get them into connecting with the divine themselves. It's a, it's a doorway for people, you know, to that empowerment. But. I'm curious of what your thoughts are on why it's so popular now and, and how you think it's potentially being affected right now with it being you know overtaken with pop culture being mainstream. Well, I think for one thing, the allure of tarot is, and I think it always will be, the idea of some way to gain additional information to solve this misery that I'm living through right now. Okay. Now, not every reading. Now, I don't have everybody coming in and weeping, you know, when they're getting a reading. But what I have found to be true is generally there is something in your life that is not working right. It's not working effectively or efficiently or skillfully. God bless Bill. I would say that that's always going to be true. That's always going to be part of the reason why people get involved. But we are now in a a totally different mindset as a populace. We are far less dependent on somebody else telling us how to live our lives. As a consequence, the readings have, have had to change. People want to know, okay, well, what can I do about this? Instead of tell me what to do, fix it for me. And that is the the greatest blessing of all because the cards, the cards themselves haven't changed. It's simply that the people who are reading and being read for have. So now we can make it much more effective and much more user oriented. That's always been my goal. Ever since, I mean, now don't get me wrong. When I started out, I was the typical Ooh, let's wow them with what I can, you know, what I can show them. This is cool. They think I'm really something special. But you get to the point where you realize that's not your job. That's not your job here. You are here as simply somebody who can decode. Think of me as a translator. That's what I, I try to tell my clients. Think of me as a translator. This is a language. It's a language of symbols. It's a language of ancient, ancient images that mean a certain thing. How does this work for you? How does this resonate and relate to your life? Wow. And we're human beings at our core. So those ancient images and symbolism has not changed. You know, the journey of who we are, the modern society, how we live and in it has changed a little bit. But you just gave me goosebumps when you were talking about having to change for the reader and that the reader now wants to come 3D, I'm sorry, wants to come in and know what to do about it. And that I I know we're going to be coming back. And of course, Pat is going to be coming to us and talking about astrology. So please stay tuned for that episode because she's a very gifted astrologer. But I want to just touch base on the age of enlightenment, the age of Aquarius, the age of information. I really find that to be what lights me up. Obviously, that's what yep. I am about. That's what the podcast's about. That's what everything I do is about, is about empowering others. And it's so amazing to hear from you that people are wanting those answers. People are Absolutely. wanting to take 
effective action to change things instead of give me the magic pill, tell me what to do, yes. giving away their power. Right. That's what I think it is. They're giving away their power when they ask someone else to tell them what to do. Well, that is exactly when a, when a reading of any kind becomes toxic, when there becomes that dependence concept that, that gets attached to the reading. I'll often call it out when I think somebody's coming to me too often. I'll say, look, I love you to death. Let's go have coffee. But this is, you know, this is really becoming more of a dependence for you on finding out, am I right? Am I thinking this through properly? Get a deck of your own and use them. Use those cards to be your sounding board if you don't have someone else that you trust. But yeah, for sure. I, I think the clients have changed amazingly in the last 20 years and I couldn't be happier. I'm so frightened by the way so much of society is sort of doing this weird return. I feel like we've been blasted back to the 50s in many ways that frightens me. I don't want to see that happen again. Women have worked so hard to be able to be seen as equals and to be seen as incredibly gifted, wise human beings. I don't want to go backwards on that. So I love it when I read for women. And especially when I read for young women who are trying to break out of that old mold and form themselves into very powerful women, very powerful, wise women. It's a, it's a gift to work with them. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. And I honestly will say I concur. You guys, you know, Pat is my personal reader for me as well. You know, as a reader myself, um, and I, Pat, you may also agree that the only time I go for a reading is when something's so close to me that I will not be able to do cards at home. It's too, Absolutely. it's too close. I am too biased. I'll be, it won't be objective enough. I'll, I want the outcome to be a certain way. So going back on that note, I want to know, are there any other ways that we maybe could be warning signs for ourselves if we are using tarot in a toxic way, either at home or with a professional that could be something we should be aware of? That's a good question. I would say to watch for inner reader. And this is, this is my own ethics. I do have to put that out there. This is my own brand of my belief system. So I, I'll have put that caveat to the test. But whenever you hear a reader say, you have to, or this is how it is, or nothing is going to change. The biggest bugaboo for me is this relationship's already over. You know that <gasps> I can't stand it. It drives me out of my mind, drives me out of my mind. My clients will hear me say, well, according to what the cards are showing me, this is what I'm seeing. The energy seems to be this way. And when it comes to a relationship, I don't care if I see the 10 of swords, which is the poor soul lying on the ground with 10 swords in his back. And the tens tend to mean an ending, but it can also simply mean the end of a cycle. What right. I will tell my client is, it's none of my business to tell you when a relationship's over or not. I will say something has to change in right. order for you to move forward. Right. That's the, the verbiage I will use. But yeah, no, anytime you have somebody telling you any of those things, also the, gee, it's not very clear today. Why don't you come back in a week and we'll try again? <laughs> oh. yeah, no, 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 no. Big warning signs on that. One. Big red flag there. Oh my gosh. You betcha. You betcha. Okay. So if you're out there, and you follow myself or Pat on Instagram or any reader out there, please be very aware that most readers who are professional and well worth your time and your money to go see will not private message you for readings. Bingo. So <laughs> many 
like <laughs> it just it's parasitic. I got it's so funny the other day. Of course, a lot of them are bots, so they're not actually really people. But they go, "Honey, I felt a connection with you, and I'm just reaching out because I felt like you needed a reading." And I go, "Interesting. Hey, just so you know, I am a psychic medium, and I am a reader, and you are a bot. But please, people don't know. I think that that's the biggest thing for us as readers." How can we educate people not only on our modalities, get rid of the fear, which we're doing here, and any myths and misconceptions, but try to allow people to get a good idea of what they need to know to discern so that we can, in 10 years, 20 years, have this particular way of giving you information and insight to support your journey be valid and validated instead of, I don't know about that, because you have so many like really strange characters out there that are just well they're predatory predatory they're, yeah. readers and it makes us all yeah. look bad and it's something that's a big pet peeve of mine i have no control over it other than education and, and empowerment for my clients and that's what you've just nailed that's the thing right there the education aspect this is why you know i, I do what's called my elevator speech when i start my 30 second elevator speech at the beginning of everyone i'm not a psychic i wish i was but i'm not I am not a fortune teller. It's I have enough trouble running my own life, much less yours. And the things I see are now in the cards. There are many readers and I, I don't knock them. It works for them. Perhaps that is how they see their cards. But when I lay a spread, I don't see it as cast in stone. I see it as these are the energies that are around you right now. How are you going to work with that and manipulate those energies to your best advantage? And I also tell them I couldn't be an astrologer and not to a certain amount believe in fate. But I also believe that being forewarned is forearmed. Knowing what is coming can help how you face it. Honest to God, I think my biggest need when I do a reading is to point out to somebody their own innate courage. You could not get to the point you're at in your life if you didn't have some level of courage. And anybody who comes to me, this is just my belief, anybody who comes to a reader has enough courage to let someone else in on what's really going on in your life. That's a lot more courageous than anybody realizes. Absolutely. It's our job to give them the best input we can based upon what we see. You cannot do a reading that is all doom and gloom. I talk with several very long-term readers like myself. We've been doing this a long time. And we have the old joke about, yeah, you got somebody who came into you, sat down, you you spread the cards, and this person's life would be crap whether they lived in Candyland or not. You know, it's, it's that kind of a feeling you get. I don't care. You never articulate that to your client. You must always come from truth, but hope. Mm-hmm. You must always say, this is what I see, and offer encouragement for their empowerment. How does that make you feel? What do you think you would like to do with that information? Little bits at a time so that your client isn't overwhelmed. Let them get something on board first before you throw the next thing at them. You know, I will say this, Kara, and I think you've probably noticed in the last 10 to 12 years, we, I, I haven't done what we call a fluffy bunny reading. A fluffy bunny reading. A fluffy bunny reading, you know, everybody's going to be happy. Da, 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 da. I think I've found that the people who come to me, I'm blessed. They're ready to hear what they need to hear to make their next big leap. Yes. I am thrilled when I see clients six months down the road from when I saw them the last time. And I'm like, wow, look at you. Look at what you've taken and run with. I'm so impressed with your humanity. I'm, I've been blessed. I've had great clients. So. Yeah. 
And I think that's really a matter of the reader. If you were a uh, parasitic type of reader, you'd attract the people that want the answers. And they, if those people came to you, right, if you're there to offer them empowerment and they don't want to take that, you know, leg up, they don't want to do it themselves, they'd be mad at you. Why can't you just tell me the answer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had that happen. Yeah. And, and you probably, you know, don't attract a lot of those people, I should say, because they're not, not many, not many, because I don't, well, for one thing, they'll start asking, I say, well, well, if that's what you want, then I'm not your girl. <laughs> so I'll give you your money back. Have, you know, have it, have at it, but that's not how I see my, my job. Yes. So I, and on, again, this is why I love you so much because this is my journey too, is, is how can we use all the tools we have in all areas, mind, body, and spirit for our own empowerment to live our best life. So for empowerment and, and specifically self-empowerment for Tarot, what do you feel like the value is you know, best use at home or with a professional reader or both? I would say both, and depending on what you're working with. If you're on your own, there is no better springboard for meditation than a tarot card, a daily pull for journaling, fabulous for journaling. I really encourage creativity. You remember the class I taught that was on tarot for self-empowerment. I think one of the the most exciting exercises for me personally was giving myself permission to look outside the box of what the little white book, they call it the LWB, the little white book of the card, of the cards says is the meaning of a card. And instead look at, focus on one image in it. We'll go back to the 10 of swords. So we'll think about that Ten of Swords with the guy lying face down on the ground with ten swords stabbed in his back. It's very much a dark card. It it looks like endings. So I started thinking, okay, so what else could this mean to me? And I was thinking, it could be a card of really of, how, how can I put what I'm trying to say? Making too much of something. Surely one stab in the back is enough to kill you. You need 10. <laughs> you know. So it's like, where am I being a martyr here? Where am I allowing this to overtake any chance of healing by just wallowing in misery? That was just me. That was just one example. I would say use them for meditation. Use it for journaling. Use it to give you an idea of what do I need to be aware of? What's coming up for me? Believe the joy if you see a happy card. When we read for ourselves, you said it yourself, we don't maybe have the right perspective or we tend to do over happy or over sad when we look at at cards. What's the first reaction? What's your first reaction when you see that card? And that's all often the right one. Yes. And that's, I think that's the best way for using it for self-empowerment. Anything that you can use as a tool that opens up self-exploration, that opens up questioning yourself, opens up, how do you see this? How do you feel about this? How is this coming up in your life currently? What does this mean to you? That's what the biggest thing I think that blocks people from self-empowerment and wanting other people to give them the answers is they're afraid of looking into the inside of themselves. They're afraid afraid of asking questions and figuring out what's in there. And I well, think, they're frightened. Am I going to get it wrong? If I have right. a professional help me, then then maybe this this is real. I am feeling what I'm feeling. I swear that's what tarot is most effective for is validation. Yeah, it's it's so validating. Most of my clients will say, "Well, that's what I was feeling." I said, "Well, then you're not wrong. You're on. Trust your gut. Trust your gut that you know that what you're seeing and feeling is right." And what are you going to do with that? That's the whole key. I mean, my clients get sick of hearing me say, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with this? You know, they, well, what do you think? I, what I think doesn't matter. Jack, I live in Millersville. What are you going to do? You know? <laughs> I'm very blunt. That's good. So when I circle back around here, just to ask, you know, 
Are there any other misconceptions or things we could clear up about Tarot um, or even any, any, any other unusual information that we'd like to share about this amazing modality? Well, you know, it's, this, is, this comes into the realms of your belief systems. I'm not going to tell anybody their belief system is wrong. All I can do with a client is tell them what my belief system is. When I'm sitting down at a card table and I'm reading cards, it sounds kind of, um, I guess it isn't self-serving. I'm very clear. It's my table. It's my beliefs. Therefore, I don't open my table to the dark arts. I don't, you know, do they exist? That's up to you, whether you believe or not, that kind of a thing. I always make sure that my space is encased in a, in a bubble of light and always only permitting the most positive and the most righteous energy to come through. I can't guarantee that for every other reader. And for you as a person being read for, part of that responsibility rests on you. You need to come into a reading with the very clear intent that I'm not going to allow anything to come in that will harm me. And you can do that. All, that's all you have to do is say that to yourself. That's why I'm saying it's so much a partnership between the reader and the client and the cards and the universe. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with the intent as you sit down for the reading. Yeah. And fear only lurks in the dark corners of our psyche of things we don't understand or we don't know. And that's why we're educating. That's why we're talking about Tarot. And, and for us here, of course, where we're recording this podcast, we are in an area of the country that has more fear around these topics. If you go anywhere else, it is blatantly pop culture. You go into a Barnes & Noble, some of the first things on the books right there, you got all these tarot books, yep. astrology, you got crystal books. And there are certain people out there that believe that this is the dark arts and now the world's coming to the end because the beast or himself or who, whatever, it's their character, yep. it's Armageddon is now giving these tools to corrupt the human beings out there. And, and to me, any story that perpetuates fear is potentially taking your power. Exactly. There's no harm in learning about something, educating yourself enough to you can make a educated decision, not based on what you've been told by someone else. Take a multiple different perspectives and that's an empowered choice. You know, the opposite of fear is love. So if you can take out that fear through educating and enlightening and illuminating yourself, that's the best thing to do. And that's what we're here to also share. So yeah, Pat, is there anything else you want to share about this amazing modality and your experience with it or, or the... Uh, audience here. I think you really just nailed it there. Dispelling the fear, I think, is one of the jobs we have as readers. Making it as understandable and as commonplace. One of my favorite talks that I did, I did last year at Firefly Hollow, on the science behind the tarot, because there is actually science, brain science, that follows the concepts of intuition, that follows Jung's theory of synchronicity, that follows the science of symbology. It's so fascinating how all of that wraps up into it. If I had to leave with my last thought would be an example of a reading I gave to a young woman who was scared to death, scared to death when she walked in the door. Most of my job was letting her articulate those fears and asking her, okay, now you've said this out loud. How do you feel about that? And it was almost like, wow, it's not so bad when I actually hear it and say it. I said, exactly. We fear most what we try to hide. So the more you can open up yourself, these cards are a tool to help you find your inner divine self. These cards are a tool to help you open up to connecting with whatever it is you believe is your deity. I can't see how this could be evil. 
How, how can it be when it puts you closer and closer to the person you worship, you know, to the deity you worship? I think it's beautiful. Yeah. But that's just me. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Our final wrap up questions before we go into them, I am going to let everyone know that Pat, you're an amazing instructor. And I'm sure people out there listening are like, Oh, oh my thank gosh, you. I want to learn more. How do I learn more? You know, look at our show notes here. We don't have any classes at this current time of recording and possibly when this is launched, but very soon um, we will have classes for you to take on Tarot and astrology and some of these really amazing topics. And of course, taught by Pat and any other amazing professionals that we're connecting with. So if you're listening to this podcast, you know, a little while after it's been launched, there will be stuff out there. So please check into the show notes for that. We'll have some links in there to learn more. And then we're going to go into our final questions here. Two final questions we ask our guests. Obviously, the first one is really related to what is your favorite product or wellness topic or self-care indulgence at this time? What is it that you're super <sighs> obsessed with that's very helpful for you in your journey? I found that massage was the key to me getting back into my body. I am a very head-based person. Um, astrologically, for those of you who care, <laughs> I'm an Aquarius sun, Aquarius moon, and a Gemini ascendant. That's all air, all head-based. Getting back into my physical body has been something I've fought all of my life. And having regular massages allowed me to have that human touch once again, to allow me to help figure out, okay, how is my body supposed to feel when it's working right, rather than just running away from it when it isn't working right? I think that has probably been the first step to allowing myself to have first spot in my intention of, of improvements. That answer is perfect because some people think, you know, massage is just for spa and pampering. And we know very well uh, oh, as a no. massage therapist <laughs> myself that it is not, but there's more reasons even just to get out of pain. So, you know, that body awareness yep. is a huge piece, huge piece. Yep. So number two, question number two, if you could detox one thing in your life or the world right now, what would it be? Negativity. If there was a way to detox fear, negativity is simply an outpouring of, of a fear response. If fear could go away, we would have no problems. People are either fear-based or they are faith-based. Sadly, it appears like the fear-based folk seem to have louder voices right now. I'm not convinced that it will always be that way, but I am convinced that human nature is your one or the other. You tend to lean more one way than the other. I would love to find a way to detox fear as much as possible from everybody's existence because we'd all benefit from it. Mm. Fantastic. That answer is like one of my favorite answers. Thank you so much, Pat. This podcast and our path and our journey to give you guys resources to eliminate that fear is always about awareness, going into yourself, yep. learning more, illuminating your fears, illuminating that darkness, illuminating the unknown, because that does help detox that fear one person at a time and that being with you. I also would love to remind people that you are here for a reason. Your energy here is needed for a reason. You wouldn't be here otherwise. So for the people that think you know they have nothing to offer, sometimes you don't have to do or be anything. Just existing is enough. Get it through it one day at a time. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Absolutely. We all have something to play. We all have a card to play. Pun intended for our tarot (laughs) episode here. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Miss Pat, for coming and joining us. And we will, of course, stay tuned for Pat too, because we're going to have her back and we're going to be talking about astrology. Ah, Another of my favorite subjects. Yes, yes, yes. All right, everyone. Thank you again for listening and be well until next time, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Detox podcast. We wish you wellness and health in your mind, body, and spirit. And be well until next time, my friends.